Uh, my name is Lily of Pearly. Uh, we've been baking at the farmer's market. We've been baking at the farmer's market for about four years. I have been baking bread with just regular commercial yeast for about 20 years or so. So, uh, but I will tell you that there is never a time when you feel that you got it. We're still learning. I'm right here with you learning still. I just learned a new thing that uh, to bake the bread with, especially with a the old-fashioned way with a leaven, you have to use distilled water if you live in the city. Because I was visiting and we were using the starter and it's not working very well with just um, chlorinated water because the chlorine has something to do with bacteria. So I'll, you will hear more about um, the starter itself. But uh, we will start um, with the bread of life because God is our bread of life. and. There are lots of things going on about bread, um, that we should not be eating bread. If Jesus would think it's not edible, he would let us know. He would not call himself the bread of life. Next, please. I'll have to ask next. So, leaven in the Bible. I'm sure you read these verses before. And the people who took the dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up and their clothes on their shoulders. Exodus 12:34. Jesus spoke parable unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Know ye not that the little leaven leavens the whole lump? So what kind of leaven are we talking about? Next, please. Is it a commercial yeast that we know? Did they have this leaven in biblical times? I'm sure you say no. Of course they didn't. So, uh, leaven bread in ancient Egypt. In ancient Egypt, hopefully, I'm, I'm, I am blocking everybody. I don't know where to go. <laughs> in ancient Egypt, the word for bread was the same as the word for life. Emma wheat and barley are by far the most common grains of ancient Egypt, while other varieties of these species and some millet have been identified. In the beginning, the simplest Egyptian bread was made from flour mixed with water and salt. Patted into a flat circle with hands, laid on the hot rock next to the fire to cook, like tortilla bread, and nowadays, no leaven. And it's believed that Egypt produced the first leavened bread, maybe by accident. One theory is that yeast landed on some dough left out. The gluten in the flour went to work, and the bread puffed up. A sourdough was employed for leavened bread. That's what people call it, sourdough bread. And we will go over that a little bit more. Remnants of a previous batch of dough was mixed with new dough and allowed to ferment or sour overnight. Next, please. So what kind of leaven are we talking about? And what is the difference between different types of yeast? So we'll go into this. It's very, very important to understand because I am a Seventh-day Adventist, and I would, when I just came to U.S., my new mother-in-law said we're not supposed to eat sourdough bread. So I never questioned that. And then when the lots of talks started coming around about leaven or starter, questions started popping in my mind, and I prayed for four months to the Lord to show me the truth. And I was directed to search the history. Because did they, what did she use? And so on. So this is very important for us to start with. Uh, the Egyptians did not have yeast sealed in foil packs or jars, nor did the pilgrims or settlers. So where did the families through history get yeast? The answer is simple. From family, from community, 
they just, like I shared with lots of people, just give them a spoonful. Um, wild yeast is everywhere, in the air you breathe, on the bark of trees, or on leaves. Ever seen the white film on the uh, grapes? That's wild yeast. And many times they start leaven with the wild filming. They just put the whole grape actually in the jar with the flour and water. So the same film can be found on juniper berries. For centuries, both berries have been used as natural start for bread yeast. Natural yeast is sometimes refers to sourdough, but with the right strain of yeast, it doesn't have to be sour. So this is the time when our pioneers lived and started writing the health message. Until the 19th century, homemade yeast was the only kind there was. In 1857, Louis Pasteur discovered that living organisms, yeast, were responsible for fermentation. He looked it up on the <coughs> microscope. So in U.S., compressed yeast cakes, you can see that's how the very first commercial yeast was available, compressed yeast flakes, um, was introduced to the <laughs> nation at Philadelphia's Centennial Exposition, 1876. So, in U.S., people for the first time saw commercial yeast in 1876, which drew 10 million visitors. When America entered World War II, yeast companies developed dry yeast for the military, which did not require refrigeration. And then, in 1984, rapid rise in yeast was invented in the U.S. 1980 also saw another trend, the beginning of continuous spike in celiac disease. The reason why, because the commercial yeast does not break down the gluten. That's why there are lots of issues with gluten intolerance. Uh, gluten intolerance, acid reflux disease, diabetes, and wheat allergies. There is evidence that using natural yeast can help combat these problems. The slow rising process of natural yeast has many critically important health benefits. Natural yeast, which what I use as a natural yeast, slows digestion to help you feel full longer. It making it natural, um, and so you don't have to eat so much. Friendly bacteria, which is lactobacillus, which you buy in a little, um, in a health food store, in the little um, uh, capsules. So that's what's in there naturally. I don't put it in there. Neutralize phytic acid that otherwise prevent minerals found in the grain from being absorbed properly. And they also pre-digest the gluten, and that's the key. That's why many people can't tolerate this bread when they cannot tolerate the commercial bread made with the commercial yeast. And we, in the farmer's market, we have followers for four years now. They even ask me to deliver bread in the winter because that's all they can eat. They cannot eat bread that does not break down the gluten. Next, please. So this is a glycemic index of various breads and grain products. And you can see that this is the sugar. This is a 10 grams of sugar in purple and just French baguette. Look at it's almost, well, not double, but almost 40% higher glycemic index versus just sugar, white plain sugar. And the sourdough bread is only 30. So it's much better for people who have diabetes and sugar problem. 
Neblat. Next, please. Ah, everybody took pictures? Okay. So this is a label of regular Wonder Bread, commercial bread. And you can see, I'm sure probably not many people here eating that kind of bread. Just wanted to point out it's not very good. Um, and next, please. Now, this is interesting because this is what you find, sourdough bread, um, this commercial. This one is from the health food store, and this is from, like, Walmart. They call it sourdough bread, but look at the ingredients. There is no way you can find starter or leaven. They go under different names or wild yeast. Look at this. They have yeast and vinegar side by side. To produce that sour taste, they put vinegar. Now, in a health food store, this is what you find with organic ingredients. Again, yeast, organic apple cider vinegar. And there is no way on the label, actual starter. So, okay, so unfortunately, this is a mislabel, uh, the whole idea of sourdough, because really sourdough is just vinegar added to our bread, but the bread is made with yeast. Next, please. Okay. So this is what I was facing. Isn't a sourdough bread for us? I mean, bad for us. Can you hear me now? Or, so I'm not going to read for the sake of time because we will have demo. I cannot read the, all the uh, LNG White's resources, but I'm sure you probably can just, on your phones or computers, find out all the resources. The Lord impressed me that well, everything that I read, she never said sourdough bread. She never said sourdough bread. She always referred to sour bread, heavy bread. She, every time you can find reference to this. So this reference is about throwing. You probably remember reading it. She threw um, a hired girl made batch of sourdough, and it was so heavy that she had to throw it to the swine. And it says sour, heavy bread will kill swine and so on. We should not eat it. Next, please. Now, again, there are several um, of Ellen White's writing, and it says, bread heavy, sour, partially baked. Next one, poor, heavy, sour bread. Poor, heavy, and so on. Let the, they let the bread sour before baking. And you know, if you had it done before, when you bake bread, you leave it on the counter, and ferments too long, then it kind of has that sour taste a little bit. So... Next, please. Now, this is very interesting. This has nothing to do with Christian book. It's just, I found it um, online. It's called The Book of Bread. It was released in 1886. That's pretty much when our pioneers lived. And this, um, let me read this, because this is, I think, will open the eyes, what was going on during that time. Um, so, Owen Simmons, The Book of Bread, 1886, analyzed various breads from bakeries across the whole of England, Scotland, and Wales. A bread made with eight ounces of malt extract and eight ounces of yeast, Simmons described as a miserable loaf to be guarded against, worst seen for a long time, poor flour, poor process, poor skill. Another local baker's bread was likewise described as poor loaves, overworked, bad flavor, bad smell, and cold oven largely contributed to and sponge too long. So you let it ferment for too long. Other loaves range from atrocious, sour, pasty, discolored. Fortunately, elsewhere, some 
were described as beautiful or excellent, but finding good bread at the end of 19th century was hit or miss. Doesn't sound like what you're reading in the Spirit of Prophecy is the same thing. Some of the commonly used additives were added to bread in the 19th century were actually poisonous. To whiten bread, bakers sometimes added alum and chalk to the flour, while plasters of Paris calcium sulfate, mashed potatoes, pipe clay, and even sawdust could be added to increase the weight of loaves. Dried powdered beans were commonly used to replace wheat flour, and the sour taste of stale flour was then disguised with ammonium carbonate. So it gives you a little bit picture what our pioneers were going through, what kind of bread that was actually baked at that time. Now, what kind of yeast did our pioneers use? We know that they did use leavened bread. And some people I heard said that um, leavened bread represents sin, so we're not going to eat any leaven. Well, in the Bible, in, in Spirit of Prophecy, we do read that they, eat, they ate some leavened bread. So sweet. So this is actually I found in the Health of How to Live, page 34, paragraph 6. It was written by a compilation of pioneers. James White put this book together. It was not written by Ellen White, but by her husband put it together. So here's a description of leavened bread, how they made it back then. Sweet brown bread. Take one quart of rye flour, two quarts of coarse Indian meal, one pint wheat meal, half a teaspoon of molasses or brown sugar, and one gill of potato yeast, Mingle the ingredients into as stiff dough as can be stirred with a spoon. Using warm water for wetting, let it rise several hours or overnight. That's the key. If you have yeasted bread, some of you making yeasted bread, if you let it rise overnight, what's going to happen? It's going to be extremely sour. It's not edible. It's going to be flat as a pancake because the yeast will by then consume all the sugars in it. Flour. Then put it in a large deep pan and bake for five or six hours. Next, please. Potato. What kind of potato hop is that's also found in this quote found in Health or How to Live, page 35.2. Um, so how they made their yeast. Did they have commercial yeast back then? We already went over it. They didn't. So that's how they made it. Wash, pear, and grate one dozen large potatoes. Boil two large handful of hops and five pints of water and strain it on the grated potatoes. Add a teaspoon of sugar and one and a half teaspoon of salt. Put all in a tin pail or pan and set it in a kettle of boiling water and stir occasionally until thoroughly cooked. When nearly cool, add a pint of good yeast and let it rise. One tablespoon of this yeast is sufficient for ordinary loaf of bread. If in a cool place, it will keep several months in summer without souring. Now, Around this time, that's when the large, uh, fresh caked yeast was introduced, the one that I showed you in the picture. They did not have a refrigerator at that time yet. Everything was kept in the basement. So I checked out the fresh caked uh, yeast that you can still buy online. It can be refrigerated only for two or three weeks, and then it goes bad. So it's very highly perishable because of high moisture content in it. So back then, it was probably difficult to find if it just came around. Now, what did she mean by good yeast? 
I interpreted, this is my personal opinion, that you can take the East and put it in another and make another batch. But if they had commercial East just around the corner, maybe they did that. You know, the caked East. Next, please. And this is probably the last one that we're going to deal with the history. I would like to show you, this is the book that was very instrumental for me. When I started baking the bread, and I would strongly recommend this book. It's very simple. It's called The Art Baking with Natural Yeast by Caleb Warnock and Melissa Richardson. It's a highly illustrated book. It's very easy to read. Uh, it, she goes a little bit over the history, but it's step-by-step step how to. So for me, as a beginner, this was the book I believe that um, got the answer. So here we go. And you can, it will be on the table here. If you have any questions afterwards, I will be available here till Saturday night, so you can always come in. If you have celiac disease or you know somebody, the gluten-free bread baking book has a section, has a chapter on how to make your own gluten-free starter and make with a starter if you want to avoid the commercial yeast. I probably will continue because I do want to go to demo. Um, this is a very interesting quote that I found. Um, Ellen White was writing to a um, husband that was preventing the wife from eating white bread. And he, and she wrote to him, a in 1870, a moderate amount of milk and sugar, little salt, white bread raised with yeast for a change, graham flour prepared in a variety of ways by other hands than her plain cake with raisins rice pudding with raisins prunes and figs occasionally and many other dishes i might mention would have answered the demand of appetite please note the date 1870 and the commercial compressed yeast cakes was not even introduced until six years later so from this quote you can see that she called yeast was not, was not commercial yeast. It was the yeast that they used, like potato yeast or hop yeast. So we, um, I, I don't want to go too many, too many details. You're going to hear about the glyphosates and so on. Um, they do, uh, glyphosate is really bad and dangerous for our health. Um, next one, please. As you can see, the tumors that they did all the, so a desiccation of wheat and other crops. Unfortunately, they spray our Unfortunately, they spray our wheat and other grains and um, beans and legumes with glyphosates. It's called desiccation. For the reason to, I mean, I'm not going to stop too long on this topic, but um, to dry it out uniformly at the right time, just like schedule C-section, when it's convenient, when it's low humidity in the, in the air, they desiccate the wheat. And then they harvest it. It stays in the storage for a long time, high profit. I mean, that's what the farmers have to do for the sake of their own interest. Is it good for us to spray our grain with glyphosate? Now, even Cheerios has glyphosate residue. So as far as I understand, if you buy organic, it's not allowed in the wheat and other crops. So Roundup residue in our food, we're told, these glyphosate residue are too small to matter, but can we believe that? I think everyone, even farmers that use and love glyphosate, would rather not eat a loaf of bread with glyphosate in it. 
Consumers don't realize when they buy wheat products like flour, cookies, and bread, they're getting glyphosate residues in those products. We have seen an explosion of gluten intolerance. What's really going on? Can you imagine the public's response if they knew that glyphosate is being sprayed on the oats and their Cheerios only weeks before it's manufactured? Next. Everything will be available on a Dagger website. This whole presentation, you can review it later, whatever you miss. Roundup on our food, non-organic cereals and grains are most commonly uh, common food with glyphosate, and there is a list, even potatoes are sprayed. Ruben? So this I want to stop on. This is very important, what I found out. It just blew my mind away. Um, BASF company, which is a chemical company, it's not a food company, uh, BASF uh, in 2003 uh, introduced clear field wheat, which is tolerant to the propriety herbicide beyond, much like Roundup Ready Corn is tolerant of glyphosate. They proudly proclaim that the wheat is not the product of genetic engineering, but of enhanced traditional plant breeding method. The technique is called chemical mutagenesis and might be worse than GMO engineering. Using a highly toxic chemical, sodium azide, as well as gamma and x-rays radiation, the exposed wheat embryo mutates. After further experimentation, testing, and development, clear field wheat emerges and is tolerant of beyond herbicide. Clearfield is now supplied in 20 varieties and nearly a million acres are planted with it in US and Canada. So if we buy, we don't know if that's what we're getting in a regular bag of unbleached uh, or regular wheat, whole wheat. So I believe this is just a sign of Christ soon returning because what's happening with our food, I believe, is just pretty much just like right before um, the flood happened. Next one, please. And now we're going to talk about the practical aspect of baking. So tips to prevent sour bread. So the key to your bread is, of course, is your starter. And this is like becomes your, it's like my little baby or like my pet. I have to watch it, make sure it stay healthy, stay fed all the time. By looking at your starter, soon you're going to recognize how it should look like. Now, I will just tell you simple, if it has a lot of bubbles, it's healthy. If it doesn't have bubbles, it's kind of flat in appearance, it's not healthy, it needs to be fed. So, regular feeding. Um, a starter, the active uh, mother culture, which is here, um, contains both wild yeast and beneficial bacteria called lactobacillus. Regular flower feeding keep the organism fed and balanced, but missing a feeding gives the bacteria a leg up. The yeast run out of food when the simple sugars and flour are all consumed and they start dying off. But the bacteria still have food to eat. They eat ex expired yeast along with the yeast's waste and continue to produce lactic acid. The main, that's what causes the sour taste. So if you don't feed your starter regularly, you will end up with a sour bread. So if you don't like that sour taste, you need to feed your starter often. How often? Twice a week, that's what I do. If you prefer, or if you bake a lot, if you started selling your bread at the farmer's market, you can feed it every day. Now, I would not put it in a refrigerator if I feed it every day at the commercial bakeries. They just feed it, uh, whatever's left over, I will show you. Um, they feed it and 
they leave it on the counter or maybe in a little cool temperature but not refrigerator if you bake it only once a week just at home you can just um, keep it in the refrigerator but I would recommend twice a week if you want to avoid the sour taste now lose the hooch it's what um, I will show you the picture I have it I did not bring it but on the very top of your starter you will have a cl like clear liquid it's a little brownish liquid it right on the very top that's a byproduct it's you don't want to use it you will pour it out at that point I would not even bake the bread I would just take the whole thing and start refeeding again to make it healthy in other words if I see the hooch at that point I will not bake bread it's not the bread will be heavy and it will have the sour taste to it so I would just not even attempt it at that time um, so we talked about the hooch and I'll show you the picture of it now shorter rising time let your dough so that's a pr again to prevent the sour bread we want shorter rising time let your dough rise for shorter time rather than longer sourness develops over time as the wild yeast consume the simple sugars and flour they produce acids the acid give the characteristic sour flavor so less time less sour ideal rising time just remember between 6 to 12 hours okay cooler rising location it you don't want to rise it in a very hot like a nothing beyond 75 76 if it's 80 it goes very rapidly develops sour taste so if you can find a cooler location for your bread to rise that's the ideal uh, and use more starters sometimes you, if the recipe calls for half a cup you can add one cup so it rises better next one okay so this is the picture of a hooch I hope the ladies in the back they can see this is a healthy starter right there lots of bubbles you can see this one is kind of flat has maybe one or two bubbles and right here is the byproduct it's mostly alcohol so you want to pour it out and like I said because there are no bubbles your bread will be flat heavy and maybe sour next one okay so I, this is my favorite thing I know it costs money but if you want to do um, commercial baking or for farmers market you really it's very difficult on your hands a Hobart is wonderful I'm saving up money for that <laughs> because I'm really outgrowing this because the demand will come the Lord will bless as soon as you start helping people with baking healthy bread for them people will come that's what we started with I still have it I didn't bring it here because many of you don't have it I'll just show you by hand how to make it with a starter now you will see this um, Danish whisk that's advertised I researched that it doesn't fit in a quart jar if you want to buy the whisk to mix your starter um, it just will not the size is too big you'll have to buy another jar which is fine you can buy a big uh, special glass mason jar that fits with a whisk next so to make um, I will show you two ways how to form your bread but you probably have seen cast iron Dutch oven and it makes gorgeous loaves because it traps the moisture so the crust outside of your bread will be nice and hard inside the bread will be nice and moist so it's just perfect beautiful loaves and the technique for that you would um, preheat it for 30 minutes the Dutch oven then you dump your bread your dough you will let it rise in the basket like this you will put the dough here and I'll show you how and then 
After 30 minutes preheat, you dump your dough in one of those Dutch ovens and you close the lid, bake for 25 minutes at 400 degrees, then you take the lid off and bake for another 10 minutes. So it develops the beautiful golden crust on outside, crispy golden crust. It's, it's beautiful, they're a little bit heavy, but for home baking is wonderful. If you would like to make French baguettes, I mean, the possibilities are endless. People do love their sub sandwiches and stuff like that. Um, this particular pan I bought, but um, little by little aluminum is coming off. I don't like it. So I just put the parchment paper over it and it works great. Okay, or you can make them nice and thin. Just, just anything you like. Next one. Okay, so this is my basic bread recipes. That's what we use and there are so many recipes online. There are lots of those now. And I'm going to step back. And I'm going to demonstrate that for basic bread recipe for four loaves, it's one cup of starter. First, you want to remove the bubbles from your starter. Five cups of lukewarm water. Again, non-chlorinated. If you live in a city, please use distilled water because it does kill that life. It's just not working out. I tried it, and I'm glad I tried it because we use always well water. Four teaspoons of sea salt, 12 to 12 and a half cups of flour. For commercial use, I use 50% of whole wheat, 50 unbleached. It's possible to make it all 100% whole wheat, but um, you need to put maybe like olive oil a little bit just to bind it. You can put a ground up flaxseed. Uh, I do add um, molasses sometimes, sometimes I put seed mixtures. For pizza dough, though, you want to reduce your um, starter by half. Whatever recipe calls, do half, because otherwise your pizza crust gets too many bubbles. It's very difficult to make, the, you know, to put the topping on top. It's just like big waves. But with a half of the amount of starter, it turns out perfect. Okay, let's maybe, Ruben, can you? Okay, with leftover, you can make waffles. In this particular recipe, I'm not gonna read it, it will be available on a Dagger website. Um, there are lots of recipes. We do make banana uh, bread for our market. It's a little sweet with a starter also. Um, what else do we make? We make cookies, also made with leaven. It breaks down um, the gluten so people can eat those also. We make it we let it sit only for four hours, cookies, so you don't want them to make it too sour. But the waffles, um, there is a recipe. It's also, you can let it sit after you mix it for four hours. And then you add and you bake. Okay, putting your start on hold. Okay, we'll go with that. So we're gonna stop right here, take a pause, and I will show you really quick how to, how I make the bread. In the beginning, we want to stir our starter a little bit. And again, you can get the starter online or buy it for free. So I'm going to make half of that recipe. Where did you get your first starter? Where did I get my first starter? I actually bought the book right here, this one. And you can write to them and they will send you free sample. The reason, no. I will show you how to, they actually send me a little smear and the little Ziploc bag, it was like this. That's all it was, and I never believed that it actually will survive. But it did survive, and as you can see, you can multiply and share with your friends and everybody else. So I just put half a cup of starter, then two and a half cups of water. 
Just put it all in a bowl with a starter. And I will tell you, compared to regular commercial yeast, uh, bread with a starter is not as finicky. So I do put salt together with a starter. I do have some samples of the bread in the end for you to taste, okay? And then just pour over so I don't put too much salt. I do want to level, I measure salt carefully because as you know, it interferes with the yeast. So for this, I'm just making half today. So for half a cup of starter, two and a half cups of warm water, two teaspoons of salt, want to mix it well to distribute the starter evenly in the water. And you don't have to wait for it to rise, like with a regular yeast. I love this spoon, and that's what I use all the time, because it fits in a jar really well, and it stands up. It's only like $3 on Amazon. It's the company Lindsay's. It's a stainless steel. Just be careful not to bang on the jar. I broke two jars doing that. So you have to be kind of like careful when you mix it. And then, I hope you don't mind, but, well, I don't want to put this in my dough, so I'll just use like this. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I just measure. I, for now, I'll just put half and half. So it will be six or a little bit more flour. And then I will show you the consistency and I will let you touch the consistency of the finished product. It's very important to know how it should feel to the touch. It's pretty much similar like regular yeasted bread. This one I ground up my own. I, that makes huge difference when you grind your own berries. It will not have this um, bitter taste of whole grain. This is a white berries, white spring berries, and the bread turns out really nice. It rises well. But if you like red berries, um, it's good too. It has a little whols more wholesome bread. So I will just mix it, and it depends a lot on humidity in the air, where you live. And I should tell you ahead of time that whatever starter sample you're going to get, it's going to change the taste. In the beginning, it will taste one way, and then it might become more sour or less sour. My starter is very mild. There are two different types of starter. One is mild, and one is more sour. It depends. Like California San Francisco bread is more sour because that's what they have in the air. So if I bring um, my starter from Russia, and it's really sour, it, over time it's going to change to mild where I live. So I just add flour till it becomes more firm, and then I would knead it for 10 minutes, approximately. I don't time myself. So I would strongly recommend to get a mill to grind your own grain. I, I love Nutri-Mill, that's what we have. It worked for many, many years. It doesn't break, and it grinds very well. Nutri-Mill. Okay, as you can see, my dough is a little bit wet. Yeah, so I would put a little bit more. So I did put over six cups so far. <laughs> yeah, Florida is humid. So when you travel and make bread for your relatives, you just have to play with it and see how it feels like. But the more you need, the, the more elastic it becomes, just like with regular commercial yeast. At this point, I probably add a little bit more. And I'm not going to knead it for 10 minutes for the sake of time. 
Um, or maybe I can ask my husband to come and need it so he can feel the end result. Fred, please, so I can talk and show you how to feed the starter. Fred did not know. <laughs> I'm going to put him on the spot. But I think it will be really good. Um, okay, the bread that you're going to taste today, I washed my hands. <laughs> I did not do that. This is another tool that I strongly recommend. It's called Dough Scraper because the bread made with leaven is more wet than your um, commercial yeast dough. So this is a very handy tool to just scrape your... Um, after, okay, next, after it's fermented and ready to go, it will be wet. To get it off the bowl, excuse me, I'll just, you kind of will have to scrape it like this to put it on your board. Yeah. So it's getting, see, as you can see, it's getting more uniform. And um, my son, who is sitting right here, I'm sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot too. He's 13 years old. He's been baking bread for farmer's market too. So anybody can do it. Involve your children that love to put their hands in the dough, and that's what we've been advised to do. Okay, I think it's okay, clean enough for now. Otherwise, it will take a long time. Now, we have the starter that's left. What we're gonna do with it? We, right away, we want to feed it, just like a pet. Once, you know, they need to be fed, they need to be taken care of. I do have quite a bit left, so I'm going to, this is another thing that you will need to have for sure. You need a scale, not this particular company, but just digital scale. I like to work with grams because grams are much more precise. So if you don't have one and you're looking for one, purchase the one that has grams. So I'm going to put in a scale and I'm just going to tear it. Tear it means bring it to zero. And the key is, is when you feed your starter, you want to feed it the same measurements, flour and water. So if you put 50 grams of water, you want to put 50 grams of flour. I never did this by scale. Friend of mine, no. I just do it by feel. But then I said, you know, I don't have consistent results with my bread. So I started using the, um, the scale, and I love it, because it always comes out the same. It's called 100% hydration. You probably heard this term. Hydration is, um, anyway, I'm not going to go into that. Just make it simple. Just use the same amount. So I'm going to put right now 50, uh, 50, about 50 grams and of water and 50 grams of flour right on the same. You can tear it or just make it 100. So it's all good. You always want to make sure that at least one tablespoon of starter is still there, at least. You know, if you have, like me, I have about a quart, quarter of a cup left, it will mature faster. If you have very little starter left, it will take you longer to make it back so you can bake again. Actually, you know, it's hard to cover everything because it took me four years to get to where, um, if you have any questions, I'm going to have my email in the very end. And I'm always thankful for YouTube. So if you have interest in this topic, I'll put a very useful website that has lots of videos. And he goes into details and everything. Okay, so we're almost there. So I'm making about 50 grams of water, 50 grams of flour. Okay, that's good. 
So, and I'm just going to mix it gently, not to bang on the glass. Okay, so it's pretty stiff. I just want to show, okay, I'll take it out. See, it's pretty stiff. When it falls, it, it's not runny. And that's what 100% hydration starter looks like. Now, I just gently scrape it, put it all in there. Now, it depends on how much starter you want. Let's suppose I want four cups of starter tomorrow morning. So I have to plan ahead. This will not make four starter, I mean four cups. It will probably double, that's all. I'll get one cup of starter from this batch. But if I want four cups, I can duplicate, I mean, I can take another jar, I can do four jars, empty jars, and just put one tablespoon into each jar and feed each jar separately. I will have four cups by tomorrow morning. And I would probably take the starter out of the refrigerator tonight so it matures by tomorrow morning. Does it make sense? So you just have to play it, um, but what you want, you can, in the morning, you take it out of the refrigerator, you look how many bubbles it has. If it has only one or two, your bread will be heavy and sour. It will not be nice and fluffy bread. The more bubbles you have, just remember, the more nice and um, tall it will be. Okay, so we have 15 minutes. I probably will not have time for um, questions, if it's okay. Now, thank you so much. Now, my dear husband did all the hard work for me. At this point, I can dump some seeds if I want, but the molasses and olive oil you add with the rest of the ingredients, like liquid ingredients in the beginning with water and stuff like that, but I could. After I put the seeds in there, I would mix it for about two more minutes, one or two, make sure they're evenly distributed. Now in this, just dump it. I use, for commercial, uh, when I bake for farmer's market, I um, weigh it. I weigh and I evenly divide between my pan forms because you want them all rise at the same time uniformly instead of one very high, one is low. So, but I will just show you for home use. It's okay to cut it. And then there's one kind of pan bread. This is a USA bread pan. There are different ways of doing bread with leaven, some called stretch and fold. But my, fr my husband did all that. Stretch, uh, stretch and fold is a little different. Every 30 minutes you need to come back, stretch and fold and so on. We do, I don't do it and I can't get away with it. The bread still turns out pretty good. But I just shape it in a bowl, put it to rise. So we'll just let it rise. It depends again for how long, maybe at least one hour, maybe one and a half. Depends on the temperature where you are, on humidity and so on. And I would cover it so it doesn't dry up the crust. One more. This one, the one that I showed you in the Dutch oven, you want to flour very heavily because it is sticky. This is just a linen cloth. And it's very nice. Fred did a very good job. It's um, not sticky when I put it. It's not sticky, and I'm going to save a little for anybody who wants to touch how it should feel like. And I would make it into a circle, and I pinch it on the very top. So that will be the top of your bread. It will sit like this in the Dutch oven, but all the seams will be on the very top. Put it here, 
again, I would cover and let it rise. This will rise faster. I don't know why, but it does. So at this point, after it rises, you want to preheat your oven to 400 degrees. When it's ready, and the bread probably, it doesn't rise as fast as the yeasted bread, much slower, which is good because it needs time to break up the gluten. So it will rise and then preheat the oven to 400 degrees. Why? Why is it so high? Because the high temperature when you just put your bread in the oven will give an additional lift to your bread. So it will make it even lighter. I never knew the concept to make it higher and better loaves, but one of the baker told me to put it at 400 degrees for 15 minutes. It will give initial lift to your bread. And then after 15 minutes, you reduce the temperature to 350 to 360. You will have to adjust according to your oven and then it will stay that way. And then um, for 350, the rest of the time. So 15 plus 25 gives 40 minutes. Um, I think, I think we covered, it. oh no, one more thing, the last slide. Well, you don't, we don't have to, oh yes, please, put it up. I think we have 10 minutes. Now we go on vacation. I'm here in Florida. I did bring it here, but not everybody can travel with a starter because you have to, no refrigerator. So it means you have to feed it more often without refrigerator, at least once a day. If it is refrigerator, you know, once or twice. So um, I have a little bit, now you don't want, you don't want to use this new starter, but the one that was left a little bit, the mature one, we can preserve it and make it into dry flakes when we go on vacation. Let's suppose we're going three weeks vacation. Nobody's there to watch our starter. Okay, one before that. I will just stay back right here. So let's suppose this is the mature starter that I have and you don't need much, maybe like a tablespoon or two, and you just take parchment paper and spread it on the parchment paper. Kind of like uniform so you don't have too many clumps and pretty thin. I brought a um, starter from Tajikistan, which is the uh, Central Asia. That's what they use over there. And I just use regular paper, for, I didn't have parchment, it will work. But parchment paper is nice, so all you do it says spread it out dry, put in your starter on hold. Uh, this is from the website kingarthur.com. Dry the starter completely until it's brittle. It will completely dry, become like flaky. Break it into pieces and store it airtight. Keep the jar in a cool, dark place. Bring your starter back to life. And here is a recipe. One ounce of starter chips with two ounces of warm water. Stir the mixture occasionally, about three hours. Feed it with flour, one ounce, cover it tightly, keep it warm, let it rest until it bubbles, feed it again and again and again, till you see more bubbles and your starter will come back. Some people ask, when my starter doesn't look good, do I need to put a lactobacillus, you know, open up the capsule? I used to do that, but it's not necessary. Some people feed it with uh, pineapple juice, it's not necessary. The key to your healthy bread is to feed it often and don't let it sit on the counter too long bread not to go rise too long and stuff like that. I think, and the last one, please bring it back so people can get my information. That's my name, this is the web. Um, you can email me, you can talk to me here. Very useful website, breadtopia.com. 
breadtopia.com. Okay, now I can take questions. Good question. Well, it's not a question. Uh, it's a comment. I, I did forget. I mean, so much to cover. How do you want... This is a white starter. How do you convert it to spelt? I want to tell you that spelt is one of the best grains to use. The more I researched, the more I found out the way God made our bread in the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, it was um, in corn. In corn or einkorn. Um, so that's what he made. Then it uh, hybridized with wild goat grass. And now we have emmer and um, different types of hybridizes natural, it's, which is good. Kamut is also very good bread, I mean grain to use, uh, spelt. And then the hybridization made it because they wanted to shell very easily off the stock, grind it, and not to have the wheat laying down. So it's all short now, easy to harvest. But that hybridization changed the chromosomes. And that gluten never been really tested, the hybridized wheat. It's not, many people cannot digest that new gluten that was developed in the laboratory. So the more ancient the grain, the better it is for us. God knew what he was doing. So spelt, organic spelt, is sold in country life, is what I'm going to use. How I'm going to convert my starter to spelt? I would just take it out, just maybe leave two tablespoons of what I have, and I would feed it with a spelt flour two, three times, and your bacteria and wild yeast will accept your new flour that you're going to use. But it will take time, so don't plan to make new bread with new flour right away. It's not going to work very well because you kind of like introduce a new food to your pet. It takes two, three times to accept the new food. So um, why do I use white instead of whole wheat? I, we do like whole wheat at home. But um, I talked to a commercial bakery, and I said, you know, my bread is a little heavy for market, and they said, you need to use white starter for 100% whole wheat bread. It just gives better lift. And for farmer's market, we use 50-50, and people are just excited. It doesn't, this one is 50-50 that you're going to taste. What kind of oven do we use? The best is um, convention, convection oven. That's the best. But recently, we purchased um, Blodgett convection oven. That made huge difference because in the regular oven that we have at home, only six loaves of this size will fit nicely. So you can put the loaves a little bit apart. You don't want them too close, of course, but like this. Convection oven allows me to use six, put 16 loaves of bread at the same time. We don't have double, just simple blodget oven. Another question? The question is, um, the spelt flour that, no, I'm just going to start changing. Now, my children know I have lots of jars in the refrigerator. One is white, one is um, organic, one is, um, will be spelt, and so on. So you can keep them separate, but you have to feed each one with separate flour. Like spelt, you will have to feed with a spelt. The question is why not to have all bread organic, because some people just cannot afford it. People just came and said, I'm so thankful you sell your bread at reasonable price. I sell it for $5.75. So people just cannot afford organic bread. And I would rather them have that bread than commercial bread, but then we'll have organic bread separately and then spelled bread separately. So for farmer's market, we make um, country white, then whole wheat, 
uh, dark German, which is similar like rye bread, then walnut raisin, um, pilgrim bread, which I add olive oil and molasses and the seeds, and just simple, we call five seed bread, just uh, white with a little whole wheat in it, probably 25% whole wheat, and put seeds. This mixture, sunflowers, flax seed, poppy seed, chia seeds, and um, flax, flax and sesame, I'm sorry. So those five seeds, we just combine it and mix it. Do I oil my pans? This one you don't have to oil, it's non-stick. It's kind of heavy, it's really nice, but whatever pan you like, just do your own research. The reason why I use this for commercial use because it distributes the heat evenly. I don't have burnt spots anywhere. So the comment is that um, she started from the very scratch. You can make your own starter on corn. Um, and it's a good idea. You can make it. All the instructions are in this book that I showed you in the beginning. I don't have handouts, but all the descriptions how to make your own starter in this book on the website. I'm so thankful for YouTube for good reason because you can do anything in nowadays. You can learn anything. I probably watched about 30 YouTubes, but everybody has their own way. And that's okay. We all can make bread different ways. So they do have instructions here how to make your own. You can start from scratch or you can just have somebody give you a little starter and feed it einkorn flour. Einkorn is a little bit, um, I think it's high in gluten, but it's a nice, beautiful bread. Any other questions? Yes? When you bake, you want to preheat your oven. That's very important for at least 15 minutes to 400 degrees. Bread is not there yet. You're just preheating the oven to 400. Then you're going to put your raised loaves of bread. I do spray a little, I forgot to tell you, I missed it with a little water. When it's really low humidity, uh, like in the winter time, sometimes the bread comes out, it cracks. So sometimes I put a little oil, like olive oil, or just spray it with a little bit of oil. It prevents cracking after you bake. So I just put my loaves in there for 15 minutes. And then, after 15 minutes are over, I lower the temperature to about 350, 360, according to your oven. Bake another 25 minutes, take it out, and cool the bread. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.